Hello, and welcome to the Screen Podcast Series, a set of conversations about the state of the science on social screening in healthcare settings. This work was conducted by the Social Interventions Research and Evaluation Network, SIREN, at the University of California, San Francisco, and funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Welcome to the Siren Screen Podcast Series. I'm Yuri Cartier, and I'm a Senior Research Associate at Siren. And this is one of a series of episodes on the state of the science on social screening in healthcare settings, all stemming from a 2022 report that synthesized existing research on social screening in US healthcare settings. The launching off point of today's conversation is the prevalence of social screening in US healthcare settings, meaning the extent to which social screening is occurring for patients in different healthcare settings, such as among hospitals, federally qualified health centers, or health insurance plans. In 2019, we did a first review of 15 surveys that asked about the social screening prevalence, and this time we found 11 newer surveys. But while the lowest estimate went from 15% in our first review to 56% in this update, we can't be confident in saying that the prevalence of social screening is increasing because there was so much variability in how surveys were designed and reported. So today I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk about all this and much more with Dr. Kalpana Ramaya, Vice President of Innovation at America's Essential Hospitals and Director of the Essential Hospitals Institute. During today's discussion, Kalpana will share her thoughts about the state of social screening, its challenges, and next steps as seen through the lens of our safety net hospitals. Hi, Kalpana. Hi, Yuri. Nice seeing you. Great to see you too. Thanks so much for joining me today in this conversation about the Siren Screen Report. It's my pleasure. So as you know, this section focuses on the prevalence of social screening happening in different U.S. healthcare settings. And as a researcher, you know, it's very easy for me to geek out about data and measuring activities, measuring things. Um, but for you, why would understanding the prevalence of social screening be helpful? Yuri, first of all, congratulations on the report. Um, it's a fantastic report. We used it and will use it. You as a researcher would say you're geeking out on numbers. It's actually one of the toughest research to do. The systematic review pieces are not my cup of tea. So congratulations, congratulations to you and the Siren family. Thanks for doing this and many other reports that you guys have produced, which has helped hospitals specifically, and um, we have disseminated through our online web portal, Essential Communities. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to preach for two minutes to set the context and then go to into your question about prevalence. For this audience, it might sound like a preach, but it is the context that we need to set first, which is any individual's ability to achieve good health is influenced more than uh, about access to healthcare, it's about 80% of health outcomes are shaped by other social determinants of health. And if we are in healthcare uh, working towards a healthy person, we do care about these 80% also. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the context that we think about SDOH and why healthcare and hospitals should play a role in this. This can include everything from safe and stable housing to environmental exposure, right? So it all plays a role for healthcare also. And um, data is a key driver in healthcare delivery, informing providers of patient needs while engaging with patients on their own care in a coordinated way. So we actually like to have this data. And recognizing the effects 
of upstream factors outside of hospitals' control helps hospitals increasingly work to mitigate the social determinants of health. And in most cases, the first step is to identify the needs of patient population, right? That's what we need to know to even get to the mitigating part. So for all these reasons, our hospitals, essential hospitals, um, actually do screen. Many of them do screen for social needs. Uh, um, and some of them are in the process of setting up the stages for implementation for screening. Understanding the prevalence is very important, um, especially for our hospitals who have do not have too much resource and have to allocate resource appropriately. It is the right thing to do. Um, it's also the right thing for you guys as geeky researchers to tell us how much of this is really happening and how much of this is happening appropriately, which will help us do the right thing. You and I have been in this field coming from public health. Um, we want to do the right things. Screening for social determinants of health should not be just the nice thing to do, but the right thing to do. And that comes from your studies and your systematic reviews as what is happening and what should happen. And without fully understanding the prevalence of social need screening, it'll be difficult to understand the impacts of investment for us and how much should we create screen? What is the depth of screening? So this study helps us understand what does the investment should look like and how do we do it right? Thanks for your uh, congratulations first, Kalvana, and thank you for setting the stage. It's interesting, in a way, I almost want to apologize that we, in as you saw in the course of reviewing the measures, were unable to give a solid answer about any changes. You know, we think that generally the prevalence of social screening is increasing, but it's so hard to tell for all of these different reasons around survey design and results. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you reacted to our findings and what you take away from the, our findings for your stakeholders. You know, you actually um, were very courageous to say that in your report, like, we just don't know where this estimate stands. And then the, so there's a beautiful graph, it could be from here to all the way there. And that's how most of the previous studies have shown. You, you know, I've talked to you and uh, other Siren uh, family out there that we did two of surveys, 2016 ones, and I think in 2019, we did see a high prevalence, but it's hard to see the depth of it and what that means. And that's exactly what you saw in your report too. And I hope that your report actually puts us in a path to do it more systematically too. And um, talking about what does it mean for us as essential hospitals, I don't know how many people listening to this conversation will know what essential hospitals are. We, we are a membership organization for about 300 plus member hospitals. And these hospitals, their main mission is to serve vulnerable population. And that will connect your dot between why we are so much interested in social determinants of health and the need for screening. And our hospitals provide about 16.5% of uncompensated care. Mm. Adds up to about six, it was about 6.9 billion in 2020. Um, and let me give you the community perspective here. Uh, our hospitals served about 22.3 million individuals uh, who live below poverty line in the communities that they serve. And about 9.9 .9 million of them actually struggle with food insecurity in these communities. Mm. So that paints the picture as why we are interested in this and why we are committed to this. So as a stakeholder, please 
continue to provide us with more science, more literature. And caring for these most affected um, by social and economic barriers, these are the patients that they care for, and um, your findings can help hospitals evaluate the gaps. What is being done? What needs to be done? How much needs to be done? And also, I know you guys are going to do an implementation podcast too, and you'll talk more about the issues of implementation um, or how not only issues, what works and some innovations in implementation too uh, for many of our members um, who are doing social needs screening. The screening part, each hospitals, they assist the social needs and practices within this system and communities. But without understanding the prevalence of screening in their own setting, it will be difficult to understand the impact of investment I mentioned. And also intended increased screening, how much more? Um, before this podcast, I was talking to you about uh, two of the CMS proposed measures in IQR, which is, is one about um, screening, uh, which is um, screening for social determinants of health. And another one is screen positive rates for social social drivers of health. So this is getting more and more, um, as you say in your report, uh, at the least it's getting the attention, <laughs> right? Exactly. This, this has grabbed attention. Screening has grabbed attention. It surely has. And we want to make sure that attention is taken in the right direction in the right way. Um, not only as a checkbox, but how do we use this data? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you see a danger with the introduction of national quality measures um, kind of turning screening into a checkbox? I don't see it as an issue, but I don't want I, I don't I, I'm not seeing it yet as that what was happen, but I, I don't want that to happen. So I, I think your your studies will help it more meaningful for making the screening useful for mitigation purposes and investments to be made. Right now, there are only two measures. One, the hospitals have to say how many people they have screened and how many of them have turned positive. And from the data that I gave you about our members, there's a high chance that the positive rate will be high. I have to wait and see. I can make assumptions about it, but that will give us more data as where to invest. And hopefully that will give more data about for the legislators and the regulators to see which hospitals need more help on, on addressing social determinants of health. Um, so it's, it's a positive move. Uh, we do support it, um, and this and race, ethnicity, and language data, all of it is the right thing to do, right thing to collect uh, and use for larger health outcomes and better health outcomes. That's all encouraging to hear, and we can share a link um, to some information about the CMS measures uh, in the show notes for our listeners. So you've spoken on how the sort of potential benefits of this information and our findings for your stakeholders, what might be some potential challenges? There are, um, and I'm saying this to you, Yuri, so you can dig more in your implementation pod, uh, podcast and other places that you review too. There are some challenges. First, a couple of them are mm -hmm. language barrier. And uh, I'll give you an example. In one of our hospitals who actually serve a large Spanish-speaking population, they screen through my chart, mm. but my chart is only available in English for them. So there are some challenges there to think about and the amount of investment that will be needed. And then a little bit more guidance about screening itself, like when do you screen? 
Think about a patient who goes through a workflow. They have different touch points in healthcare. I bet you will talk about this in the patient perspective on screening at some point. How does a patient feel on asking the same question 15 times in their flow? Or, or on the other hand, how do we implement a place where mm-hmm. we don't drop them and not asking the questions in any of the 15 places, right? When do you screen? How much do you screen? There is also, I have heard, I'm not on the field. I am someone who is up here listening to uh, what our hospitals say. I've also heard these uh, um, factors change on a regular basis. You might not be food insecure the first visit. You might be in the third visit. How do we collect this information, correlate, and actually provide the appropriate resources for them to be connected to the right resource? So it's frequency of screening, when to screen, how to screen, the language barriers. These are the pieces I think more as we dig deeper into the science of screening that we would have to provide guidance on and support as how to do this. One of our hospitals used two question screening for food insecurity, and they have been able to screen more of the the patients. And some of them have been able to do a bedside uh, technology where quickly screened. And some actually required healthcare workforce to do this. You would have heard this in the past two years quite often, the word burnout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in every industry, especially in healthcare settings, right? Um, yesterday, Fitch um, showed that the nonprofit hospitals are having a tough time financially and mm-hmm. mainly because of the headwinds and the pressure of labor workforce. So we need to be thoughtful and mindful about how the screening would affect larger health flow, health workflow. It's the right thing to do, as I said, but we have to do it the right way <laughs> right, uh, to get the full impact and not become a burden and thereby a draw, becoming a checkbox. Uh, yeah, which I think you've done such a lovely job of teeing up all of the other conversations that will be happening. I hope I didn't steal anybody's thunder here. I don't think so. <laughs> I hope I think you just made everybody excited to listen to the other episodes in this series. So thank you so much for that, Kalpana. And of course, it's important to hear the perspective specifically of the essential hospitals that you represent. And in as part of your work in representing those hospitals, I know that, and you alluded to this at the beginning of the conversation, you're not only a reader of our report, but America's Essential Hospitals, Essential Hospitals Institute was one of the survey fielding organizations of the, of the surveys we included in the original review that we published in 2019. And so I wanted to ask you and talk a little bit briefly, you know, flipping the other side of the coin here as a survey fielding organization, you know, what are the challenges of um, or benefits? Like, talk to me a little bit about the experience of trying to understand the prevalence of social screening in your own member hospitals. This this actually, uh, I want to talk about your question and actually related to some of the patient perspective here too. And um, we are always excited to support your work and vice versa. And we learn from one another quite a bit. You're right. We did two surveys on specifically on population health. And by the second survey, we actually coined the word community integrated healthcare, and we started using that 
to not confuse uh, population health management versus population health and um, getting into the definition issues. We do um, also conduct surveys every year to know, learn more about who our members serve in their service. Survey fitting is a huge piece. So I don't know how difficult you would have faced to even collect information, but survey fatigue, especially for hospitals, is a big deal. Now, I'm not the only one asking for data. There are 10 other people asking for data. And probably the 10th person is the one who actually pays the hospital to give the data, right? So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a challenge uh, learning how the prevalence were and also in-depth about prevalence is a challenge because it's a burden. But we also conducted other surveys, which adds to this content, Yuri. We worked on a building trust project funded by RWGF. And we actually, that was the first time we surveyed about 1,000 patients and caregivers mm. and asked them, like, how do they see trust? And who do they trust? And who, how do they rate the essential hospitals in their trust scale? And it was, it was very interesting. The trust score was very high. Eight out of 10 said they trust essential hospital. But we also saw the, the difference between white uh, older patient versus minority patients who um, had a lower trust, mm-hmm. which we see across healthcare system, just not at the essential hospitals, but still at a higher trust rating. We also conduct surveys about climate resilience, how do I how hospitals work on the larger climate uh, area? So it's thanks for the credit for our, us being also a research center, but it's not easy. <laughs> uh, it's not easy for us to know every a part of like the exact details. Um, we also do quite a bit of qualitative research. So that helps us get the um, depth of what works and what doesn't. And that's where we gather information about implementation pieces. Excellent. And yeah, that's often, it's just so, yeah, seeing the stories behind the numbers, understanding what are the experiences um, is such a powerful complement to having the data about yes or no, we conduct screening or yes, we screen for these domains. Thank you. Well, Kalpana, before we wrap up, I'm seeing that we're getting close to the end of our conversation. I wanted to see if there's anything else that you think that we could do next in terms of better measuring social, the prevalence of social screening or yeah, just uh, what you see as avenues or what, what, what's missing. You know, that's a great question. And as I said, the CMS uh, proposed rule will also help for us to get a larger picture of information. I think in addition to the numbers you read, listening conversations could help mm. um like opening up a listening spot to hear like if you screen tell us how you screen and what works and what doesn't could also help us move the needle and um let it be a two question survey or a in-depth full SDOH survey we it will be nice to hear the details of it and just not the numbers how many uh, in the prevalence. So that's one suggestion. And I'm pretty sure you will hear a lot more in the implementation uh, podcasts and other places coming up. Um, your report is fantastic. Let's do more of outreach. And what we're going to look at when field is going to ask for is guidance. Mm-hmm. How do I do? When do I do? What is the best way for me to use my resource, which is a tight resource? I think that'll be helpful to work together in some fashion. Like this is 
they, they, you, if you have womanly limited amount of funding, this is a better way to use in screening. Yeah, I hear that. Thank you so much. I want to just express my gratitude to you for our time together. It was so fun to chat. And to our audience, I wanted to encourage you to check out our other episodes in the Siren Screen Break podcast. So hoping to see you on one of those other episodes soon. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, Yuri. Thanks for listening to this special summer screen break episode of Siren Coffee and Science, a project of the Social Interventions Research and Evaluation Network at UCSF. Andrew Fankush does our editing and sound design, Susan Shepard designed our cover art, and Aurélien Jukla composed our music. Laura Gottlieb and Yuri Cartier, that's me, produced this limited podcast series. Find out more by visiting sirenetwork.ucsf.edu. Questions or comments? Email us at siren at ucsf.edu. And lastly, let it be known that the views and opinions of the participants on this podcast do not necessarily state or reflect those of the regents of the University of California, UCSF, UCSF Medical Center, or any entities or units thereof. Take care.